helps to get me right sometimes is I listen to music. I listen to gospel music, all kinds of Christian music, just to get a little more in my spirit, and that helps me. That helps me to get where I need to be in my mind and in my heart when I write and when I study and when I do research. Because when you prepare a word, it, it, you are studying, you are researching, and you're meditating on that word because you want someone to glean something from that word. And uh, so I hope that this word will touch someone. It's already touched me. It touched me first. So I wrote it the way I felt it. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I ask that you come in, remove everything that is not of you, Father God, and breathe your life into me, Lord God, and give me the words that you would have me to say today. Lord God, you are the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me, Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I do have a scripture reference, and I don't always do that. But we're going to be doing Psalm 63. So if you want to turn to your Bibles and read along, that's where I'm going to be coming from. And I believe mine is the NIV version. <clears throat> that's kind of what I lean towards when I give a word and when I study. I study the NIV. They all basically say the same thing. Sometimes it's worded a little bit different. Psalm 63. It's a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your glory and power. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Amen. My sermon is basically coming out of a spiritual darkness. And I ask you, when you think of a desert, what comes to your mind? What do you think of when you think about a desert? For me, myself, I think of a desert as a wasteland, dry as sand, nothing but sand, water nowhere to be found. Isolated from everything and everyone. Nowhere to run nor hide. You're exposed and naked to the world. Alone in that desert. This is my spiritual desert. Now what does yours look like? And perhaps there are some similarities. Wandering around in the desert like that proverbial Arab man. God, are you still there? I can't see you. Has the sun and sand blinded me from your sight? Why have thou forsaken me? Why am I wandering aimlessly in this hot, dry land you call a desert? How long must I suffer so? 
Many times when I was thanking God for the delight of his presence, I would hear a voice say, if you seek me for the way you feel in my presence, it is no different from any other soul realm passion. I had never thought about my relationship with him in those terms before. God was saying that if I pursue him simply for the pleasurable experiences I have when he makes himself known to me, then my enjoyment of him is dictated by my feelings. After this encounter, I found myself experiencing a season of dryness called a dark night. During which it seemed as if God was not there. This season was especially difficult because for years I have walked in an almost continual awareness of his presence. Now suddenly I sense nothing. It's a void. It's a darkness. I can no longer see. I'm alone in the desert, blinded by the sand. During my many dark nights, I realized that on our path to spiritual maturity, we don't go from the mountaintop to the mountaintop. We have to walk through the valleys as well. Even after we have arrived in our promised land, we may experience spiritually dry times. That's that spiritual darkness. David confirmed this truth in Psalm 63, in which he expressed the thirst he had for God in the midst of a dry and weary land. He wrote the psalm in the desert of Judah, a dry region in the promised land. David had experienced God intensely before, but found himself for a season in a place where there was no water. God is the living water. And alas, David had no water. This is where I find myself today, in a spiritual desert, waterless, homeless of God, and without any of the comfort creatures I have come to know. And I ask myself in God, how long, Lord? How long must I wander in this desert alone without you, Jesus? But we know that with Jesus, you're never alone. We must understand that sin isn't the only reason we enter dry seasons. God may be working in us to prepare us for a greater release. Imagine this. We are like trees in winter that appear to be dormant, even dead, while their roots are growing and preparing for greater fruitfulness. During these seasons, we are leaning, learning to walk by faith rather than by sight or feeling yet another test. Whatever the reason, a dry season can be a difficult period. So how do we respond? God's word tells us in Joshua 1 and 5, he will never leave us nor forsake us. This means that whatever we sense, his, whether we sense his presence or not, he is there. We must determine to believe him and walk by faith. Today I find myself in that spiritual desert, however, my understanding is clearer as I journey through it yet another time. I'd already told you, you will experience that desert more than once. So you will experience a wilderness experience more than one time in your life. And I tell people, 
Baby, this is not my first time at the desert rodeo. And if I'm yet blessed to see many more years, I'm sure to go through it again and again and again. It is called life. And as long as we live as though we are alive and not dead, I can guarantee you that you will also experience a spiritual desert, a dryness. My Lord. So, Stop asking God why and start trying to learn the lesson. Amen. The quicker you learn, the quicker you are back on that mountaintop. Amen and hallelujah. Amen. You don't want to dwell in the valley forever. It's not a very nice place. I just likened it to a desert land where there's no water. Jesus. That's the valley of dry bones. Nothing lives there. But sometimes we go there. We are sent there for reasons sometimes unknown, but it's said in the word, it's not just because we sinned. There's other things that can move us into that valley. All true saints go through a wilderness experience in their life, some more than others. Why, you ask? Well, our first thought usually is that it was caused by some sin. But sin is not the reason God sent us into the wilderness. King David was no stranger to the wilderness experiences, and though he sinned like you and me, yet he was a man after God's own heart. David wrote a number of psalms that speak to the hearts of fellow believers when they are experiencing spiritual dryness. Spiritual dryness, or the wilderness experience, is God's way of getting us to exercise our faith even more when there is little feedback or affirmation or emotional joy. No believer can fully avoid the wilderness experience. It is the path we must all travel. We're not exempt from that experience. If you've never been through it, get ready, because I guarantee you, if you live long enough, you're going to go through it. It can take the form of depression, a crisis of faith, or one or more traumatic life events of which the list is endless. It is not a joyful time. It is a time when we feel alone, deserted, and dying of spiritual thirst in the midst of a debilitating spiritual drought. It is good to know where your spiritual desert comes from and where it may take you. For me today, most of you know that the loss of my only brother has temporarily pushed me into a spiritual desert, so to speak. It wasn't sin that pushed me into the desert. It was a life event that I wasn't quite ready for. The good news is I understand where this one is coming from and it is temporary, praise God. Yeah. It's the times you get in the desert that you're not for sure what landed you in the desert yeah. that gives you sometimes no hope. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you today there is hope when you're in that spiritual darkness, yeah. that dark night. We must never allow an event in our lives to completely shut us off from God and his goodness in our lives. If you are a true believer, you know that God will always be there for us and he will always have to do is ask, pray, and believe in the miracle that is God. I will not stand before you and tell you how easy it is. It is not easy. It's not easy being a Christian. It's just not. However, as it is written, this too shall pass. That gives me comfort because I know it will pass because I've been here before. I'm a living, breathing testimony of being in the wilderness alone 
and coming out on top. It is okay to mourn, but don't stay mournful. It is okay to wander around in the valley, but don't make your home there. God does have a plan for each one of us in our lives. We must trust and obey and learn to pray our way through it. If you don't know how to pray, ask a praying saint to help you with your prayer life. Because it's through our prayers is what gets us through to the next level. When we are undergoing a wilderness experience, the devil will come alongside us. That's where the devil resides, is in the wilderness. He's waiting for us. His primary purpose is to tempt us to doubt God and to serve him and ourselves, just as he did with Jesus in his wilderness experience. Satan will show us all kinds of things that will appear to be good, attractive, and wonderful, but don't trust it. It's false. During the wilderness experience, we will be tempted to give up and doubt the integrity of God's word. It's a time when we become confused, frustrated, irritable, and angry. We move from thoughts of faith to thoughts of doubt, from thoughts of being faithful to thoughts of being self-centered. In the wilderness, we are tempted to do our own thing and try to make things happen in our own strength. We are strongly tempted to doubt and question If we are to come out of the wilderness triumphantly, we must follow the example of how Jesus gained the victory over the devil in the wilderness. How did Jesus defeat the enemy? First, he fully, fully submitted to God and his will for his life. And secondly, he fully trusted the word of God. That's all we have, people. That's all we have. The only weapon Jesus used was the word out of Matthew 4, 1 through 11. That should tell us that only the only way the enemy can be defeated is by the word of God. It's the only way. Get in your word. Learn your word. We cannot afford to respond with fear, doubt, worry, and unbelief because when we do, it only gives Satan a foothold in our lives. As we speak the word over our situations and circumstances and affirm the truth over and over again, it will ultimately settle peacefully in our souls, thus renewing our confidence that everything is truly working for our good and for God's glory. The resultant peace that comes from God's word is actually a weapon or tool for us to use against the enemy's attacks. Use them. Use them. Use them. Your wilderness experience is that place where God hides you from the public view and prepares you for his purposes. You may feel that the darkness of the wilderness will never cease, but the time will come when the Lord will bring you out of the hiding to the place he desires for you to be. However, just as God used the temptation of Christ in the desert, it is in our own spiritual desert times that God works in us the deep things of life. My beloved, I pray that today you find your rest and the water that will quench your thirst. That your wilderness journey be short-lived and the knowledge and wisdom you have gained will be used to help others during their spiritual desert experience. It won't last always. I would like to leave you with this psalmist's famous words. Far beyond the sunset's glow where the sky hangs heavy and low. 
Where the golden glory shines beyond the day's decline. Hope is what you'll find. If you want to go far beyond the highest hill, taller than the walnut with the whippoorwill, there are voices in the wind. We shall sing with them again. So march on, march on, dear friends. When trouble comes around like it surely will, remember you were happy once and you can be happy still. Far beyond the sunset rim in the twilight deep and dim where the darkness never goes, but we shall be in droves. Ain't nobody coming back this way again. When trouble comes around, don't you be afraid. The world can take your, this world can take your life, but it can take the love you've shown away. When trouble comes around like it surely will, remember we were happy once and we can be happy still. Trouble don't last always. Amen, and thank you for your time. May God add a blessing to this word. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah.